Welcome to Adventures in Business. This is a show where we have thought-provoking conversations with founders, CEOs, and business leaders of various industries to learn about their stumps, falls, trials, tribulations, and successes on how they manage the current business environment. Join our hosts, Mandy Graziano and Amani Roberts, as we chat with our next guest. Welcome in. We're here. It is April 3rd, and we're ready for another episode. I have to give a disclaimer right <laughs> off the bat here. My own is under construction as we speak, so you will hear lots of thumping noises. You could hear some people speaking in the background. But just how it is in the world, we must continue on with the podcast. <laughs> Amani, we got to keep it real. I should have worn my fluorescent orange vest and a little hard hat. Like really keep too. it real authentic today. <laughs> <laughs> so that will stop us. We have an amazing guest with us. I'm so excited. Mandy, though, I have to shout you out. You're there. You're based in San Diego. San Diego State is playing in the national championship game for the men's college basketball yes. title tonight. Nice. Are you nervous? How's the city? You know, the city is alive and, you know, we don't really have any teams here anymore. So if we have any team, we have a little league baseball team. We're going to root anybody that goes to the finals, but it's exciting. This is the first time San Diego state in its college history has ever gone past the sweet 16. So yeah, the city is exciting right now and um i'm definitely gonna watch i watched on saturday i watched tonight it's i love i love a good final you know final championship of anything so it's gonna happen go aztecs go aztecs i'm rooting for them i'm going on record right now so oh good good amazing i was excited when they made that shot i screamed startled my dog when i screamed but (laughs) yes now how should we introduce our guest for today um amazing person in the industry lots of experience how would how do you think we should introduce her and bring her out from the green room to the main stage Ooh, i mean i think we should just allow some of your construction to like you know pound on the walls give her a drum roll do a construction drum roll <laughs> no i think i i think she speaks for herself i mean she's a trailblazer in the events and meetings world she's been in the industry a really long time She has a lot of experience and she just recently founded her own company, which, you know, I think we're both excited to chat about. So I I just think we bring her out. Okay. Katie Bohr, come to the virtual stage. We're going to give you some applause here. (laughs) Yeah. Amani, if only you could control the construction to give them like the drum roll and stuff. (laughs) It's crazy. It's ridiculous. So, um welcome to the show i mean we're gonna kind of go all over with our questions but my question is that what was the inspiration behind going out on your own starting your own business and you started during the pandemic as well if i recall correctly you were right at the beginning well like we were like in it we were coming out of it so um yeah first of all thank you both for having me it's so awesome to be here with two people that i respect i follow i trust your voices in the industry as well so it's awesome to be among both of you today um yeah so okay so asking how i started my company or what was why did we do this thing by the inspiration and how did you have the courage to start it in a relatively rough time period for yeah i'm really 
Yeah, I love to tell the story because I do think that sometimes as founders that you kind of can polish your story, you know, and you can like write the version of it that sounds really good in like a few sentences. Um, and so I, I'm trying very much to stay authentic to what was happening at that time and, and not polish it because I think that the truth of it is what inspires other people to follow their callings, the things that they might have inside of them that they want to do. And I feel like that's one of my purposes in the world is to help other people pursue what they believe that they're supposed to do. Um, so I had a great job in the industry. I was working for Alhai as the VP of events and experiences, and we had really navigated COVID in a really profound way. Um, we've had the opportunity to help people move forward through their meetings. And um, with our CEO, Mike Dominguez, I had had uh, the opportunity to really support him and helping educate the industry and how we come back and come out of COVID. And that was a really incredible experience, even in light of how difficult that time was for a lot of our industry. Um, and during that time, I got the opportunity to do something in that role that I hadn't really gotten to do before, which was to help guide other hospitality professionals um, through and through something new, something that we hadn't done before, something that was with a lot of limitations. And I realized how much I loved innovating within restrictions. Yeah. Also, how much I loved helping people figure out new ways of doing things. So I was doing a lot of consulting. And um, in the six months before I started my company, which was July of 2021, um, I just started having that feeling where I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to do this. And I remember where I was sitting in my house when I was like kind of journaling and meditating and starting my day. And I just felt like I was given like July 1st, you're going to start your company. And in full transparency, I didn't know exactly what that company was going to do, but I knew a lot about who I was and what I believed my work in the world was. And I also always trusted in my career that when I know that I'm supposed to do something, I have to act. And once I act, it's like the rest of the path reveals itself. So I started having this feeling of just like, almost like I couldn't not do it. And what I was really intrigued by was the opportunity to help hospitality professionals do their jobs better. And I was also very like drawn to how do we amplify and make meetings have even a bigger, deeper purpose that is even beyond maybe what we see as the point of a gathering. Like we as event professionals always work backwards from why are we gathering? You know, if you're a good planner, you start with the objective. But what if we were to expand and put more purpose and more impact into our gatherings? Could we actually even deeper like change people's lives through those events? And I wanted to work with companies that wanted to do that through their gatherings. And so, yeah, very high level. It was like, I just knew I had to go and pursue this thing. And now it's been almost two years, mm -hmm. um, which is crazy to say, but um, had a really supportive CEO, when I went and resigned, there was no reason that I was leaving. And so when I resigned, I gave a good bit of notice. And I remember him saying, I always knew that you were going to do this. I just didn't think it would be this soon. <laughs> and so, oh, that's great. But, but, you know, it's amazing to have a supportive boss like that. And somebody that was my second time working for him and somebody that's been a strong mentor in my life and always has recognized what's inside of me. So long answer to your question, but there you go. Great, great answer, though. Yeah. Uh, Mandy, you want to follow up, I think? Well, I love that. I just want to point out a call out a couple nuggets that you just dropped like a loud mic there of like, when you feel a calling to something, listen to that and mm -hmm. act on it. It doesn't always necessarily involve like 18 million meetings in a business plan. Like yeah. you just, when, when you're, when you get that intuitive moment, just listen to it and act on it. I think that is really powerful that you did that. Thank goodness you did because, you know, now we have you in a different part of our industry. Yeah. Uh, but my question is, you know, your company's name is Onwardly. 
So was that the first name? What, you know, how oh. many iterations of it? How did that come to be? Yeah, gosh, it was definitely not the first name, but I do feel like I was given it. But what I've always known about, well, a few different, it's twofold. It's something about me, which is I have always been able to move through anything that's happened in my life. You know, I, I've had a lot of life lived in the short amount of time I've been on this earth and I've had challenges that I've been able to overcome and I've always been able to move forward. And, um, and that's something that I feel like is a superpower for me. And so that was one of the things. And the other thing was really nodding to the fact that when we gather, when we bring people together, you know, that is what changes the world. And that's what moves causes forward, messages forward, people forward, callings forward. And so I know that events and gatherings are what allow us to move mission forward. And so it's a made up word. It's in one of the dictionaries I found, but it's really a combination of this onward feeling of like, you can never get around what you have to go through is a line from a song I love. And you just have to go through it. You have to keep moving. And if the pandemic taught us anything, I, I think we're not supposed to say that word anymore, but if that time taught us anything, it is that you just, you just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And so even in starting my business, it's very reflective of how I've built my business has been just each next right step, you know? Okay. So, so uh, the DJ and me heard song and heard a lyric. What song was it? What it's was the lyric? It's, it's Griffin House. It's Griffin House. And it's a little bit of like an indie singer songwriter from Nashville. And he says, you can never get around what you got to go through. So I'll send it to you, Amani. I'll, I'll have to find the name of the song. I'm writing yeah. Griffin down right now. And I'm going to yes. put the lyric. What exactly, what are the services that you offer for your company? What do you do? And then how is your professional speaking built into your business? Yeah. So I have two arms of my company. One is sort of the professional speaking, coaching, training side of my business, which is really where I'm spending a lot of time developing in this next few years. Um, and then the other side is the experiential full service event planning. I'm also doing in that side, I do a lot of event strategy, consulting, creative consulting, helping people that plan events think differently. Um, you know, I kind of nodded to that idea of like, how do we innovate within restriction, but how do we also just do things and try new things? Um, I have a real love and kind of excitement around when we try something we've never done before. And we have a lot that's established in this industry that works very well. And there's always the opportunity to say, what if we tried something new? And so I have some event planners that I work with that my job is just to help them think about how they accomplish something differently than they've done. Um, so kind of those two arms, I have a few key clients that I work with that I do full service event planning and experiential design, have some consulting clients under that, and then building out the speaking side of my business, coaching, um, really helping hospitality professionals do their jobs better. And I think on a personal level, even deeply, more deeply kind of discover what they're meant to do in the world. Because I think so many of us are the slashes. I talk about this a lot. Like there was this like trend mm. that came up a few years yes. ago where everybody had a slash, right? Like you were chief creative slash chief operating slash, you know, freelance graphic designer. All the chiefs. Yeah. Yeah. But now yeah, yeah. I feel like the slash is actually like, that's, that's all of us. Like we are all slashes. And I think so many of us have an appetite to have not just one thing going on, but to have multiple facets to our career and the way we make money and the way we interact with the world. So I love helping people discover that too. 
one more follow-up, and then I'll turn to you, Manny. But you mentioned slashers not too long ago, four <laughs> years pre-pandemic. It was looked down upon. You can't yeah. do that. You need yeah. to focus on one thing. How were you able to hear that, but still keep putting one foot in front of the other and become a slash and thrive <laughs> as being a slasher? Uh, well, I don't know that I knew I was overcoming something, to be honest. I don't know that I necessarily knew that that was looked down upon, but I, I can completely understand the sentiment, which is that, you know, you do want to have something that you're an expert in, something that you specialize in. And, you know, we were even talking before the call about the 10,000 hours and the Malcolm Gladwell principle of being an expert in a space. But um, what I can tell you is that for me, I am most lit up when I am multifaceted and when I am working in different disciplines, all connected back to what I know my purpose is. So there's like that underlying thing that gets you out of bed in the morning. So that's, that's normally something very lofty and big. It's not like, oh, I just love to do budget spreadsheets or I love to, you know, like send BEOs in. Um, it's something deeper than that, but all those facets that you do, all the slashes that you have should always connect back to that. And I, I think COVID, I think that time really did help people find ways to maximize their time, you know, kind of that you have these fractional work coming in, which I think is the future. I do think that's the future of work. You've got fractional CMOs, like whoever thought that that would be a thing. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, I think I just see it in my own work. And for me, that's really the right path. And I see it in a lot of other people too, the more I talk to other humans. So, yes. yes. And I, I think I'm a big believer of the multi buckets, you know, yeah. because yeah. there are some days and it's a lever thing, right? It's, there are some days, some economies, some periods of time where you want to pull one lever down and let that other level sit idle. And there are other times where you want to pull that other level down and lift the other one up. So I think it behooves all of us to really take a look at what do you love and how can you be a slasher? I think I think being a slasher is the cool kid club. You know, I think and yes. I think you, you know, I, I think it's great that you sit in that space. I have a question going back to something you said about how you help hospitality professionals do their job better and how you help event planners look at new ways of doing things. Do you have a case study or a business story about you came into a situation and a client was doing something one way completely and then you revolutionized or collaborated with them and now they're doing it a completely different way and it even surprised them or surprised you? Yeah. Um, so I have an agency I work with in Dallas and my job for their team. I mean, I think that it's a, it, my job is called event strategist, I think, but really my job is to come in and ask some hard questions and then present outside the box solutions. So we had a sales organization that was doing a one day training. So people paid to come to the training. It was a, a like day and a half event. Um, but they had like seven hours and they had to give them CEUs. You know, there was requirements for how long they sit in that room, which is, I think content is one of the biggest areas that we have challenges in because you have to deliver the information. A lot of times that's why your company is paid for that person to attend. The messages have to get communicated, but sitting in one general session room for seven hours, I mean, none of us have ever said that's our favorite thing to do, right? Boo. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So we had to do a lot of deconstructing. And a lot of times, like, I like to talk about taking it down to the studs because sometimes we get really caught up in like, we've always started with this 20 minute keynote from this, from the CEO. And then we do a panel and then we do a da 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 and then this and this and this. And then we try to like, we use that framework and then we try to like insert creative. 
But if you were to take it down, go all the way back to why people are there, what are we trying to do in that time? And that's what me and the content person from the sales organization worked together on. So we worked backwards from that. Um, the couple of solves that we came up with, and this is like, these are easy things to apply if you're thinking about your event, but we thought about how we could be more kid-like in our education. Um, so one of the things that we did was we, um, and this is actually a cost saver too, for my decor people, but we ended up doing butcher paper at all the tables as the linen. And then we actually had an artist come in and they drew things to interact with. And they did themes on the actual tables. Like, just like you go to an Italian restaurant and you have crayons Mm -hmm. there. Like that is something that people can interact with. It's really cheap, really fun. But we also had things that people would answer questions for. They had different boxes that they could answer in during the sessions. And then the MC, that was the other thing we added was an MC. And I like to call an MC, like that's your chief knowledge person. That person is in charge of <laughs> the attendees and making sure that they're understanding and they're listening and they're getting the point. Like I'm so pro MC if you're actually trying to like have people walk away with things because they're the chief learner. They're there to make sure that they're learning because if they're not learning it, then your people aren't learning it. So that MC would walk around and they would be able to call out from the tables like, hey, here's something that people came up with without having to do the whole Q&A thing. Um, some of the other things we did was really turning it on its head for panels versus discussions. And so we came up with this red and blue envelope game where instead of doing a panel where we had the red and blue envelope on stage where they were interacting, we made them go have the conversation with each other. So one Mm -hmm. side of the room was red envelopes. They were under their chairs and one was blue. They had to cross and find each other. And then they actually did the, the interaction in the scenario that we would have done as a panel. And we would have had experts display it, but we made them try to do it first. And then we had the MC go around and like actually interact with them about like, hey, what was this like? So one person had a problem to solve and one person had the solution, but then they had blanks they had to fill in, um, which got people moving. Like that's the other thing when you're in general sessions, right? Um, And so I think there's just a lot of things that you, they're not, none of these are like revolutionary ideas. It's just the willingness to be like, could we try to do this? And you know what? Some of it didn't work. Mm -hmm. You know, like some, like we had some issues with like, we didn't get the right people on the right side of the room. And so there's Mm -hmm. things you're always going to do that you're going to realize, oh, we should have done that differently. But it's just the willingness to kind of almost play, you know, and almost be like, let's try this. And I think people appreciate the effort to try something different rather than sitting in seven hours of just like directly sage on stage, like just at them. So totally that power of play is everything. Yeah, it totally is. MC, it was it was just music to my ears. Here you talk about the MC. I love it. Please, everyone out there, get an MC. And of course, I am one, but there's tons of brilliant yes. ones out there. Get them. I also want to go back to when you kind of got your start in the industry uh, at Gaylord Hotels, and that was only like 12 or 13 years ago. And you've made like a, a I don't I'll say like a rapid um, ascension. To what you're doing now, what has been the key for you to go from brand to brand and continue to excel in your job? Um, I love that they're already clapping for me. Your construction crews are they excited are. about what it's I'm going to say. It's a slow <laughs> clap. It's a slow, <laughs> a slow staple clap. But I'm um, it on mute so you don't hear too much. No, no, no. Support. I love it. I love it, Mommy. I feel like that's just real life. I love it. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I, I thank you for that question, and and I do feel like when I reflect on my career, it's it is kind of crazy how much has happened in between starting. I was a conference coordinator at Teal Code and 
Um, I mean, I was an entry level position and, um, that's how I built, that's where I started. So when I think about what came next, um, so your question was, how did I do that? Yes. Or how, what was the secret or basically like, what was the key? Because I'm asking you this because I have many, many college graduates who are about to graduate in like a month and a half who are going to come and do the same thing that you started doing a coordinator position, whether it be in hospitality, music, film, TV. And for me to share your story with them that in less than 10 to 12 years, you could be running your own business and be successful. Like that would give them immense inspiration. So I'm just trying to figure out your key. Well, and like this new upcoming generation is so hungry for it, right? Okay. So here's the things I think that are key. I joined organizations. I joined MPI. My company didn't pay for it. I paid for it. I got a student scholarship. I immediately started connecting with other professionals. Um, I was hungry and worked my tail off in my jobs. Every job I've had, I delivered 150%. And I took every opportunity to learn and really tried to learn beyond just what the scope of my job was. So when I was a coordinator, our job interacted with every department. So I would stay late and shadow the 3000 person dinner. So I could watch what that looked like from the catering kitchen. Even if I wasn't working, I spent time finding mentors within that, that company that really helped me understand their, like the next role. I was always asking them questions to understand the bigger picture. I think something that can happen to us in the industry, we know how much is available to us, but sometimes we get so focused on the role we're doing we don't learn the big picture of how all of those different dominoes connect. Right. And so that is one of the hugest thing is to like, try to expand your vision beyond the role and understand how it connects to all these other pieces. Um, I also spent a lot of time getting to know myself and what I was good at and what I really got lit up by doing. And I had mentors in college that really instilled this in me. And I'm very grateful for that because a lot of times you, you can't go, you can't just say, I want to go and get like a vice president job unless you know who you are. Like the secret is if you know who you are, what lights you up, then it's almost like it draws it to you, but you also know how to chase it. Um, because you know, like, okay, I'm not, I'm not awesome at super like desk work. Like I have to have something mobile where I'm moving, you know, you have to know those things about yourself because otherwise you'll end up in positions that you don't thrive in and then you can't advance. Right. Um, and then I think the other thing is I said yes to unexpected um, opportunities. So one of the things that's very unique about my life and career is that I've never had to pursue and apply for my next job. It's always presented itself as an opportunity where somebody said, hey, would you ever consider? And I think that there, I, almost every single time I was terrified and I was like, I don't know if I could do this, but I know I can figure it out. And so there was that overcoming of like saying yes, because somebody else sees that in you. And so I think the willingness to say yes, to be brave, to do things even before you necessarily feel like you're ready. I think that's the other thing that's allowed me to keep saying yes to that next thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's like networking, it's like thriving. You can't go anywhere if you're not thriving in the job you're in though. And I think we sometimes underestimate that you got to do really, you got to be the best of the best in the job you're doing, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's not always about that next thing. You got to be where you are and bloom where you're planted. So. Dropping gems, Manny, dropping gems. I know, I know, I know so many gems. Bloom where you're planted. (laughs) That's the second interview in two weeks or three weeks that somebody said, bloom where you're planted. Did you notice that? That's yeah. a, the, that's a, that's a signal for all of us. I have a question about purpose driven events. So mm-hmm. this is a hot topic in the world. And I think in companies too, because 
Gen Zers or, you know, the generation younger than Gen Zers really want to work at a purpose driven environment. They want to be in a purpose driven culture. And therefore, those of us in the events and events and conferences world have to start or continue creating purpose driven events. So can you just define that for us and share how that shows up in your business for your customers? Yeah, I think that it's like everything in my life. It's twofold. It's slash. There's a lot of like (laughs) different pieces to it. So there's the purpose driven event side, which is that we want our events to be more than just three days contained to four walls. And so purpose for me, when you look at a purpose driven event can be that you want people, like I talk about, I want to design experiences that people tell those stories five years from now at their dinner table. And they're like, oh my gosh, I was at this event five years ago in San Diego. They put us in air balloons and then we did podcast recordings up in the air. And then, you know, we got down to a winery and then we did a taste. You know, it's like, you want that story to be told. And if, even if they don't remember everything they learned, they remember that connection. Um, you want it to go beyond those four walls. You also, I think as an industry, we're doing really well at thinking about our impact to purpose, like sustainability. How do we give back to the community? How do we have, you know, a climate neutral event? Like, what does that even look like? And nobody was, you know, that's such a new and important thing for us to be looking at. And all of that for me is purpose beyond just like the objective of why you're gathering people. Um, But I really like to talk about purpose-driven customers and clients too, because I've realized how sometimes it's like rinse and repeat for the events we create, but it's always different because of the people that you work with and the clients Mm -hmm. that you're supporting. And I like to work with clients who care about how the work gets done. And that's like the way that I always define that because purpose for me is like, you're working with people every day, you're treating them as human first, and you're still getting to accomplish, you know, the work you're, um, you're taking care of every single level of vendor that you're working with. You're kind when you're on site, like the hotel doesn't want you to leave because they love your team so much. Like Mm -hmm. that for me is about that's connection to purpose because it's about like, remembering that all of us are like humans first. Right. And that's one of my company core tenants. Um, and so I think about how the work gets done also is about the way that we remember what's important. And if we run up against a challenge that we can't, you know, there's something that's really frustrating or, you know, this vendor falls through or something doesn't work out. It's like, I also believe that everything belongs and we come back to like, why did we decide to host this event and how can we focus on those core things? So those for me is like, it's also how the work gets done. It is the purpose of the company. And I'm also finding that a lot of companies they're creating products and innovation that want to solve bigger world problems. So Mm -hmm. I just did a brand launch for an amazing company called LabelCoin, and they are a crowdfunded sourcing app that actually helps with like fans buying shares of songs. And, but their overall goal is to end artist poverty because they realize that musicians and artists aren't getting paid for their songwriting process. So they're like, what if we could crowdfund this, get them five songs sold with a, you know, a shared platform. And then ultimately though, their goal is to do that for so many artists, the artists don't have to have second jobs. They don't have to do that. So for me working with a company like that, like I'll be scrappy. I'll like, I can serve in such a way in my like experience design and what we do 
because I'm so lit up by the mission of what that company wants to do. So for me, that is, there's like sort of this like hybrid combination of all those things, but I love companies that have a bigger purpose to what they're doing. So LabelCoin is one of them. That was a really fun launch I did a few weeks ago. You, love you, that. Mentioned, you mentioned the artist poverty. That's a big topic. We talk about the music business classes that we do. So yeah. that's like two for two there, music to my ears. I wanted to also <laughs> mention, hey, that play on words too. You, yeah, to you didn't even pay me for any of this. Somebody. Like you didn't even like feed me these lines. I, was, I know. Me, so. I know. She's laying it out for you, Amani. Serving it, it up. Serving up the sandos. You've used the word brave two or three times during our chat just today. What's your definition of brave? Uh, I mean, I don't know who gets coined this phrase, but it's the do it scared. You know, I don't know who ever said that first. There's a lot of authors that say it now. Um, but brave to me is like doing it scared. It's like, it's the jumping off the building, even when you're, you, you're afraid and you're not sure exactly what's going to happen. Um, and I think doing it scared is doing it without knowing the full outcome. It's like enough faith to take action, even if you can't see the whole runway. So that's what I would define brave as. I like that well, definition. Yeah. Excellent. Like, well, I think being brave and scared is is what most entrepreneurs, so most of us mm -hmm. feel when we start our business. So in July, you will have been at this for two years. So what was a moment when you started your business or in the last two years, you've been the most scared and what was the most triumphant moment in the last couple of years? The first day that I woke up and like, woke up after I had quit my amazing job with great people and I didn't have any emails because nobody knew I existed yet. You know, there was no, like, I didn't build my company leading up to this. Like I really had a clean, cause I had such a, um, all encompassing role. Like I, it was like, stop and then start. And that morning I remember like opening my email and not having any meetings, any emails, <laughs> And you're just like, what have I done? And <laughs> there's that moment of just like, it's the not knowing what you're supposed to do next. It's the, it's the sort of like, uh, nobody's telling you, you don't have a one-on-one -on -one with your boss to go through your metrics. So I, I feel like that first day, I mean, I was pretty scared for like 45 minutes. <laughs> and then <laughs> I think it was, um, and you just kind of have to go through it and be in it. And, and then you just start taking each next right step. Like, I think I set up QuickBooks that day. I think I, you know, built a page on LinkedIn. It was like, it was like, you just have to start putting things in motion. Um, and then I think like the triumphant moment for me, I, I mean, honestly, like every day I feel triumphant in the way of just like, you're still doing it. You know, it's mm. sort of that like, because you do wake up every day as an entrepreneur and you have to bet on yourself. And, but I also think like, even today I had something come up where I have a client that was affected by SVB. And so they've delayed all of our payments. We're still moving forward, but there's like this thing I counted on that isn't there, which is completely out of their control and they're figuring it out. But I had that really scary moment today. And I just sort of like went, I actually went and got ready for this and everybody took a shower for you guys. Lucky you. Thank and you. Thank you. <laughs> so well, you look real um, fresh and clean. Thank you. I am. And, like, I was in there and I was just thinking about like back to the gratitude moment of like, you know, that you're going to figure this out. This is like, you could use this to, to, it could affect your whole day. You could get terrified. You could have it make you paralyzed or you could just keep moving and you could mm -hmm. just keep, you're going to figure it out. 
And if it goes away, it goes away. And then you're going to find uh, the next thing. So I think honestly, like every day I wake up, I feel blessed to be doing this, but I also try to take a moment to like acknowledge, like you're still going, you're still doing it. It's still yeah. happening. So you're moving onwardly yes. just like yes. your company. Yeah. Totally. yeah. Mm-hmm. How have you begun to like acquire clients and find clients and start to grow your business, you know, over two years because you're very busy and, and sometimes it takes people four to five years to grow their business. What has been the key for you to start to grow pretty quickly? Uh, Well, the biggest thing I'll tell you is that the same way that I built my career, I've built my business and I have actually had a hundred percent referrals. I've done no external sales so far. I'm about to, because I'm starting to build some like new avenues of my business. But what that means to me and what, what I think I've done and what I did do in that first month is I reached out to people in the industry to share what I was doing. Um, and Mandy, God, I remember like Mandy came up to me, we were at an event in September and she was like, just anything you need. If you want to call me and you want me to connect you to somebody like our industry is so good about lifting one another up. If you, and what I will tell you is you have to stay connected and, and deep in relationships before you want something. And even if you don't know why you have, like, I, I like to say that I, and, and there's a few people that if they were to hear this, they'd be like, you got to work on that. Cause I, I try to think about it. But if you tell somebody I'd love to have coffee with you, I'm going to follow up with you and set a call. Like you be the one that sets that call. Cause we do it all the time in this industry. We, we say that we should connect and we don't connect. And that's something that I have always tried to prioritize. I, it's always a work in progress, but to say like, when you tell somebody, I want to have lunch with you. You be the one to follow up, even if they said it to you, yes. because that's how you deepen relationships and you, and you could get real caught up in being like, oh, they were, they didn't follow up. I'm always the one following up, but I'd rather be the follow-upper that has this big network of really true, authentic relationships. Um, and the other thing I think is that I'm always willing to also give and it's mutual. Like I'm so quick to be like, can I connect you to somebody? Can I follow up with you on this? Like. I want to help other people move what they want to do in the world forward as well. And so it's a two-way street. Um, But I think that, and I'm just now starting to work with actually launching my company and working with a social media company. And that's been a whole journey and process. But I think that the way that my business has been built has been very organic. And I'm really grateful to say that. But I also know it was the 15 years leading up to it that allowed that to be possible. So... Ooh, I love um, social media, something I didn't know anything about until I wrote my book. And then I had to learn <laughs> trial by fire, the power of social media. And I'm yeah. still learning that. So what are some tips and tricks you've learned in the short time you've been working with your social media company? Have they given you anything out of the gate that you were <laughs> like, oh, my God, I didn't think of that. Or, well, oh, my God, I don't want to do that. No, Mandy, first of all, I think you do great <laughs> at social and you could give way more tips than I could. But I'm going to tell <laughs> you, like, I, I don't know anything about social. And so it's hiring experts in the space that you need help. Like, yes, I have always used social to connect with, like, personally. And I like sharing what I'm doing, but I definitely get very singular focused at events and I'm not good at taking photos. I'm not good at capturing things. So I hired a company called Nuna. They're actually hospitality professionals, former hospitality professionals, and it's N-O-O-N-A. And they provide a membership monthly model. So they work with me. We do a monthly thing. But the one thing I'll tell you that they've taught me and they've reflected to me is like, you just got to be as authentic as possible. 
So like Truth, for me, yeah. like, you know, what I told them when we first got on a call is I was like, don't make me do a TikTok video where I am lip syncing to something like that is not me. I'm going to look terrible, <laughs> but it's also just not something that lights me up. Like that doesn't yeah. excite me, but there are people that that does. Right. So that's yeah. great for them. And they said, no, no, no. Our whole purpose is to figure out who exactly you are in the world and to just show that through your social media. So that's been like mm -hmm. the biggest I think that was the biggest thing that comforted me through the process was like, they wanted to reflect my own voice, but, um, and, but my, you know, we are so quick to hire accountants, tax people. We're quick to hire people to help us with our calendars, da, 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 da. but like social media is one of those things that like, yeah, I had to pay somebody to help me with that because that is not my gifting. <laughs> so. And if you don't like it, that's the other thing. It's like, if you don't like to do it, I think yeah. as business owners, we think we have to do everything. It's like, Make a list of everything you don't like and yes. outsource that and invest. And if, even if you think you don't have the money, the amount of time you get back in yes. your day to actually do really good things in your business, it is worth every penny. So yes. I'm, that's, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's yes. a big mistake entrepreneurs make. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. And I think social Amplify. media. Yes. And I think asking like what people want to hear from you. So having mirrors where you can say like, what would you care about? Or what sort of content do I generate that excites you? Like, that for me has been a good exercise and it's been surprising. Like when I ask friends and, and people, I'm like, what do you actually care about? And what do you don't like being willing to be vulnerable and have them be like, girl, if you post another picture of your dog, like I'm, I don't care. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. you get one dog picture a month, but like, okay, fine. So I can hear that. But then they say like, what is actually adding value and what do I do that you would care about? I think having friendlies that you can ask that to has been helpful for me in defining where I want to go moving forward. So mm, that's yeah. good. Friend, a, friend, a friend audit is always good. Oh, yeah. Sure. Friendlies. yeah. Friendlies was a term you said. I like it. You <laughs> mentioned that you're getting ready to start some new avenues of business for yeah. your company. Are you open to sharing what those avenues are? Can yeah, I can, I can go like really high level. Okay. So, okay. Um, Ooh, so hot I, off the presses. I so I have a podcast in the works. I was just telling Mandy and Amani that that was like very inspiring to see what they've done over this last year. Um, so I have a podcast in the works and, and um, cause I've realized that that's the way that I love to express myself is through my voice. And that's something that friendlies wrote. They were like, if you can just get on and talk about some things like that would be great. So that's something that's in the works that should happen in the next few months. Um, I'm starting something called the muse sessions. So M U S E muse sessions, and they're going to be these many coaching blocks. So something that I find with like working, I've had amazing executive coaches and amazing guidance in that space. Um, but sometimes it's really hard to be like, okay, I'm going to hire an executive coach for a year. So I've got these four to six weeks blocks that are going to come out to work with me one-on-one. -on -one. And I call them muse sessions because something that I love to do, but it's also a superpower is to witness and to see people and to help call up in them what they're meant to do and to ask them questions that guide them towards what their next right step is. And so those will launch this summer and that'll be an opportunity to work together just for this like focused four to six weeks. They're going to be in a price point that I feel like, um, you know, an up and coming emerging professional can um, can do. And so I'm really excited about that. And it'll only be for a select block of people for that six weeks. And I'll probably do those like every other quarter. So that allows me to really focus on that. Um, yeah, those are like the two big projects that I'm working on. And then I'm also building a couple of workshops that I am hoping, um, well, I already have one that I know that I'm doing, but I'm hoping to make more public. So helping experiential agencies and event agencies 
um, we kind of talked about this, but think differently. And uh, how do they actually like agencies a lot work in this way where it's like, I'm the rooms person. I'm the content person. I'm the creative mm-hmm. person. Silo. So, yeah. Yeah. And so how do you train all those different professionals to ask questions that allow them to work together? And, and so that your answer isn't, oh, I don't do that. I don't, I don't touch content. I do this. Mm-hmm. And so really helping people foster their own creativity and to help solve their clients' problems is something that I'm super lit up by. And so it's something I've always loved helping my teams do. And so doing a couple of those sessions, I'm doing one for an agency this summer. And so I'd like to do that kind of more broadly for people as well. I love that. Now, how, how do you make time for yourself for creativity? You know, I know I think you talked about meditation earlier and you talked about journaling, but creativity is such a huge part of your business. Yeah. What, do you, what do you do to give yourself creative space? I will tell you that's probably been my my weakest thing this last quarter is the white space because I was actually sort of like on to myself last week because I got back from six weeks of travel and I was working on this creative proposal for a client and I was just like out of steam like I had nothing and so um, that you know burnout or being really really tired like when you realize you're like that like your creative little button is like off that's like one of the mm-hmm. first things that turns off. Um, even though that's the thing that lights me up the most. So for me, what it's looked like is a lot of rest. It has been doing just like things to, that have nothing to do with work. So Mm -hmm. going to see live music, walking around, I live in Nashville. I love to see live music, going to walk my dog, um, reading. And sometimes it's reading fiction. Like you don't have to read a book on creativity to be creatively inspired, you know? Um, I was at, I was actually hiking yesterday and they did this thing called a, I was hiking or Saturday at this park called Edwin Warner and they were doing this thing called a story walk for kids. And so it was this little path and every like little bit, they had a picture of the storybook and it said, and so the kids would have to follow the map and the storybook had something they could interact with like around what they saw. And I was like, this is event design. Like this is an experiential Mm -hmm. moment. And I'm out there with my dog just hiking. But that for me, like inspired this idea to do this like story walk and do that in the trade show. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. So I think that it's not over, it's not overextending yourself to the point that you don't have any space left. And that's something as a business owner that like starting to say no to some things is something I really need to work on. And especially coming out of this first quarter of business, I'm like, all right, girl, you got to practice what you preach. So mm-hmm. having more white space to be able to generate is a big thing. I love you that. Books. Benny knows where I'm going with the books. <laughs> uh, as you see behind me, I love to read. I have many, many books on my shelf. If you were going to recommend three to four books that you feel people should stop what they're doing right now and start to read them immediately, fiction or nonfiction, <laughs> what books come to mind? It's you so, can go if you need to. <laughs> I love to read too. Like you can't see it, but I have probably like 500 books behind me. So, um, Okay. First War of Art is Stephen Pressfield. It's one of the best I love books. that book. I love that. Was, uh, uh, I read that to write my book. Like, yeah. And, yes. I, know I, I yeah. try to read it once a year. If you have something inside you that you want to create, that you want to do, that book will help you understand the creative process. Um, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert is about creativity as well. And she has this concept of riding with fear in the car. There you go. Big Magic. <laughs> I don't, think, I don't think you're going to have my next two, but um, I just finished a book called Heart Boss 
by a woman named Reagan Walsh. Do you know her? I, I know her and she's from Ohio and I love her. Yeah, that's a great book. I read yeah. this book in two hours on a flight yeah. and Heart Boss is all about shedding your shoulds and it's really mm -hmm. geared towards women, but it, it has a place in all of our lives. But um, she just makes it really simple. It's a quick read. It's easy to process. And then um, I just started a book that my, one of my executive coaches <laughs> did and, oh my gosh, I have to pull it up to tell you what it's called. That um, is okay. That is okay. Keep <laughs> because I, but so her name is Hillary Augustine and she talks about the currencies that we have in life. Okay. It's called the Ooh. currency paradigm Ooh. and the tagline is a new way to exist for the empath, the executive and the edge walker. And this book is so revolutionary. And she talks about all the different currencies that we interact with in our world. Um, and it's a little book and it's like a meaty book. So I'm only through like two chapters because I read like one a week and just sort of like interact with it. So there you go. Love a good I book love recommendation. Like you've given us two or three right here. We're going to have to go to Amazon right away. Well, and, and then for those, for those of you listening, not watching, as Katie was talking about her book recommendations, Amani was literally <laughs> pulling them off his shelf. So 3,000 miles apart, Amani yes. had almost all of her book recommendations. Two of the four. Of the yeah, four. That was Great amazing. Minds. Great minds. Yes. Now we come to the portion of the show where we flip the script and you can ask both Mandy and myself questions. Any question Ooh. you want. So who are you going to ask first and what will the question be? Okay, I'm going to ask Mandy first. Uh, okay. So my question is, what is one thing that's scaring you right now that you know you need to do in the next year? Ooh. Well, I it have could be big things. or small, anything you want. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have two things. I feel like uh, I talk about this every show. One of them is I have to investigate and activate monetizing my content. Mm -hmm. I have so much content out there, whether it is a speech that I gave and we have our video, you know, we have a great video editor, Corbin, Corbin Bravo, and he edits all my videos for me. And I share that with clients. That's part of my speaking packages. I give them some video cuts, um, but I never repurpose it in a way where it can, you know, like you were talking about your coaching mm -hmm. blocks earlier. I do these huge group coaching sales, coaching sessions for hospitality professionals all the time. But, you know, they may not want to be in a whole room full of like 300 peers yeah. to get coaching. They may want some one-on-one -on -one, and they may purchase a block of three or four videos that may activate something in their life too. So I need to find a way to monetize, not find a way. I need to make time to investigate mm -hmm. and activate the monetization of my content, which I have thousands of videos at this point. Yeah. Um, so that scares me because... Um, it's just something I need to do. I don't know if it scares me or if it's just on my brain. Is it because um, of the time it takes or is it? You know, I just, I haven't prioritized making time for it yet. Yeah. Um, because there's just all these other things that are going on. Um, but I will second half of the year. And then I'm also launching uh, another podcast myself called Sales Tales modeled yay. after my book. Oh, yay. And um, that feels a little scary because yeah. Amani and I have had such great luck with this and we have had such a great experience and I can't expect Imani to do every show with me. <laughs> it's like the, I've got to fly on my own and do my yeah. own podcast, which I know I need. And I would, I just want to talk to more directors of sales, vice president of sales, chief sales yeah. officers, just about sales nerd stuff. So 
Um, again, exciting, but scary. So those are my totally. two scary, exciting things. That's a great question. Well, it's so good. Um, mm -hmm. Amani, I really would love to hear the same question, but then I have another question for you. But can you <laughs> answer that one too? Yes, yes, I guess. So scaring me would be... Those people banging on that wall. <laughs> <laughs> what it's going to look like when it's done. <laughs> right. Like the diversification of my revenue streams, particularly the professional speaking side, like I want to grow that. I don't, I know it will happen. I just don't quite know how. So that's kind of scaring me. And then yeah. just continuing to get the high quality DJ gigs on a global scale. Like Ooh. local is fine, but on a global scale, going across the country or the world to DJ, like that's kind of, I wouldn't say it scares me, but that's kind of what I'm looking to grow. And that's kind of what has me a little nervous. Um, I think that's the quick answer to that question. Yeah, well, it's expansion and it's the how, right? Like the things that scare us, I feel like so many times it's about like, we don't know exactly how, whether it's finding the right amount of time or who's the person or what's the process that needs to go into place. And so, and it's always the like starting without the full plan. Like for me, it's like, yeah, it's like the, it's the cooking the cookies without the full recipe, <laughs> you know? Um, I like that, yeah. But when you know when you want to go, I do think that our paths like present themselves. So, mm -hmm. okay. So Amani, my follow-up question to you was, okay. so one thing I talked about was about knowing kind of like what gets you out of bed in the morning and underneath everything you do the connection with students, your purpose as a DJ, you're speaking, like, what is the thing that is like your deep purpose in the world? Mm. Okay, okay, I'll answer that three, three different things. Okay. One is I'm DJing a gig, it could be in a club, it could be a wedding, it could be a corporate event, and I cut the volume, but people are still singing along, and they keep singing along, that fills me up. I love that. Oh, that's good. That's, that's number one. That's number good. two, which you probably can relate to with the work you're doing um, with that one organization is that there's a huge knowledge gap in the music industry between new, mid-tier, even experienced artists. And I want to say like the labels are just more experienced people in the industry. There's a huge knowledge gap. So yeah. for me, filling that knowledge gap is like really important. That gets me out of bed because I really want to do that, which translates to my students, which is number three. And it's just seeing my students learn in class, seeing the growth of them from beginning of the semester, say January mm -hmm. to May, and how then they come back two or three years later, like, you know what, when you talk to us about this piece of the business in terms of hospitality, or making presentations, or networking, it really was true, because it's helped me out with this and that. So those are the three things that really kind of help underneath everything that I do, help me. Yeah. Get you rattled that off too. That's good. Cause not everybody can say that so fast. And like, I love the transformation of your students and it's probably things that are unexpected, you know, cause like there's so many things we offer in the world and we don't know that they're profound, but they're profound to the person that's receiving them because how you show up, Amani is so authentic and the things that you say are so true to your experience and you share. So, you know, from such a genuine place, like that's what's changing your students' lives. So that's so good. I love yeah, that. Now, um, go yes, ahead. Do you have another question for us? You have another question? Because you look okay, like you're- so This one's like <laughs> off the wall. But, Ooh, Mandy, but Mandy, yeah. I want to know what you were like in high school. <gasps> oh, my God. That I don't is... know why. That's just like the question I have. Oh, that's my God. That's a question. <laughs> it's such a great question. And it's probably going to shock you. I almost failed high school. I was the worst student. Oh my and 
And it wasn't because I was dumb. I'm obviously not dumb, but I was really bored. And so like, Mm -hmm. like there would be a math teacher and I would do all the homework in like the first like week. And then I would sit in class and clown around. I was, I was, I was voted class clown and class daredevil, but like, then I would like haze the teacher, which is not cool. So then I would get kicked out of class. I spent a lot of my high school in (laughs) The vice principal, Mr. Bernie Kroviak's office, eating Brock's candies with bubblegum in the middle because they didn't know what to do with me. Um, I was I was a cheerleader and I gave back to the community. I coached cheerleading and gymnastics at my grade school that I went to and stuff. So like I would play softball. I was involved and stuff, but I was I was not like I was a I was not a good student at all. I was very chatty. I'm sure you're not surprised by that. But um, that one but, doesn't surprise me, but I would yeah. never have expected the, like the, <laughs> the rest of it. I was a bad student. And in fact, one of my girlfriends who I'm still friends with, I was like, I had this stupid pride thing, like where, like, if you, if you said something mean to my sister, I was going to beat you up. I never got in any fights, but <laughs> one of my girlfriends from high school, great uh, grade school, high school, who I still talk to to this day, she told me that when we were in high school that she called me borderline badass, which I was like, Oh my God. And I remember like shoulder checking a girl in my, in my cheerleading uniform and her (laughs) books went everywhere. Like I have flashbacks of this, but it feels like years ago. Like I, yeah. Anyways, I was not, I was a different person than that I am now. I mean, I think I was fun, but I, I was, I was, uh, I was like a bad kid. I was a bad student and wow. not and you yeah. were shoulder, like the shoulder checking thing. Like we should be a lot more scared of you than I, I realized. Kn- <laughs> no, don't, don't. I couldn't shoulder check now to save my life. <laughs> and I that's forgot amazing. that I blacked that out. So yeah. yeah, that's what I was like. What were you like in high school? Me? Yeah. Oh gosh. Then well, you, was, then you, Amani. I was yeah. a late bloomer. So it took me a long mm-hmm. time to find my place in the world. Um, I was in choir and I was pretty nerdy and I didn't go through puberty Aww. till very late in life. So I was, I was not that attractive. I, it took me until I was like 17 to have a boy ask me to any of our dances, which was my senior year. So, um, <laughs> I was super involved in church and I was I had a really close group of friends. I went to a a high school with 1,200 students. So it was easy to not stand out. Um, But I felt like I was just really lost because I feel like when you're really good at like talking, connecting, like you don't always find your place. I was not athletic at all. Um, But I don't know that people tell you like, hey, you're actually going to be really good in the business world. Like I wish that teachers did a little more of that of like, hey, I know this doesn't belong in middle school and high school, but it will. I promise. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was always really kind and I was a really good student. I was like straight A's. I've always followed the rules. So but I really didn't feel like I found myself until college. So I was just like a little bit lost. And I just felt like not, I wish I could go back and be like, Hey, it's going to be all right, girl. You're going to find your way. <laughs> so, but I was, yeah, I was just a little bit of a little nerd that just was a late bloomer. So I was a late bloomer too. We all find our way eventually. Yeah. You know, totally. some sooner yeah. than later, you know, yes. Amani. You late were too? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, um, I played sports. So I played like soccer a lot. I was really big in soccer, a little basketball too. Um, was in the jazz band. So I had a lot of like extracurriculars that kind of, you know, I was like, I wasn't really the popper kid. I was like on the periphery of the popper kid. Mm. So, you know, kind of right there, whatever. But um, I worked a lot during school. Like I worked mm. all the way through high I school. I did too. Before. I worked. I did, I did too. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of work. But, um, you know, then once you get to college and you kind of figure it out, maybe find yourself a little bit, you kind of 
you know, Katie, you kind of almost answered the question already when we were going to ask you if you could go back to your younger self right when you're graduating from mm. Oral Roberts University mm. and give younger Katie some advice. What would it be? Is there anything you want to add? Well, but after I got through college, I had gotten to know who I was a little more. But I think I would just like tell I wish I would I wish I could trust myself faster. Like the process of knowing that my inner voice was correct, even if it conflicted with because I grew up just following the rules and thinking that everybody else knew better than me. Hmm. And if I could have more quickly gotten me, you know, trust that like what your instinct is, what your gut is saying is right. Because I learned that the hard way. A lot of times when I, when it conflicted with a leader or somebody that I respected, um, I didn't trust myself. I trust them. And there's this fine balance, especially when you're young about listening to wise counsel, but knowing that deep down, like, you know, the right thing. So I wish if I could have amplified my small kind of still small voice or inner knowing a little faster, it probably would have saved some heartache, but you know, everything belongs and I'm grateful that I, I very deeply trust my gut now. And that's what I've, I've guided me through the last few years. But I think I'd be like, you know, best girl, like deep mm -hmm. down when you get that like nervous stomach and you're like, Oh, I just don't think that feels right. You're right. You're totally right. So. It's a powerful compass that yeah. intuition. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do you want to learn next? And what is next for your business? Like where, like looking ahead three to five years, mm. like what are some more skills you're trying to attain and where do you see yourself, your business then? Well, the next few months I'm focused on learning the financial side of my business and how to mm. maximize taxes and accounting. And I've, I've kind of made it this far sort of like knowing just a little bit, but I need to know more because I need to know where we're growing to and what we're, what we're creating. Um, and I think that, I think the other thing I'm learning is like how, what I want to build towards and build a team towards. So I do know that I, I want, I don't just want to be a sole proprietor. I know that I don't just want to be a single solopreneur, but I want to be really clear on what I'm meant to build in the world before I start adding people to that. So I feel like this year is about like, what is the expansion and in what category, since I have so many slashes what category are we going to expand? Mm -hmm. um, and Mandy, like you, I'm, I'm learning about online content and how do you create that and, you know, record things and build things in a way that you make it accessible. So that's another kind of area for growth for me too. Love that. Okay. We will toss it over to Mandy for the final question as we oh! come to our oh. time or whatever. So Mandy, I'll let you kind of close it up and then we'll say our goodbye. So go ahead, Mandy. <laughs> ah, stumper. Okay, I want to go back to general sessions and coming out of COVID. I know we're not allowed to say COVID, pandemic, all the things, but I've noticed a trend in what our behavioral attention span will allow going from working in our PJs and changing laundry at lunch to actually going to a physical meeting and then having to interact all day. So what trends are you seeing in the marketplace, or maybe you're creating some of them mm -hmm. that changes the programming a little bit? to accommodate like that, that succession of being working from home and now being face to face for three days in a row, 12 hours a day. Yeah. I think it's super focused on individualization. So the ability to show up even at a reception and have a lot of different things people can interact with, like building quiet rooms, introvert rooms, building ways to interact that you're not forcing the whole group to be on the dance floor. Is there a way that they can see the dance floor, but sit in a room and play board games? Is there a way that mm. um, like the individualization and the honoring of people's 
I think increased social anxiety, a little bit of like, I feel like all of us got a little truer to ourselves. And that means that we're solving and we've always been solving for multiple learning facets, but even solving for the way that people want to show up at group events, you know, um, that includes like, how do you take care of the non-drinkers? How do you take care of the people who might want to be in their room for free time? So you still have to accomplish objectives, but the individualization side, and along with that, like a lot of choose your own adventure. So can you still accomplish your objectives with letting people choose what they interact with and the way that they do that? So do you have a general session that's offered in four different ways Four is probably a lot, let's say two different ways. So do you have one that's outside in the morning and one that's inside and it's interactive, or do you have, um, like just how do you deliver content in a way that allows people to choose that interaction, um, which is a lot more work on us. And I think that's the thing that's hard is to do this. It's take, it's taking a lot more brain power. We're not just recycling what we've done previously. Um, and then I think just finding a way to incorporate, continuing to do this, but to, incorporate like if people come and just watch a stage what I find people saying in surveys is I could have sat at home and sat on my zoom and just Mm -hmm. watched that speaker so that's our challenge why the heck are they even coming to this event and it's to interact with each other and we fill time so much and we don't even give them the reason that we brought them together in the first place which is to interact with one another so you have got to have opportunities for people to network. You've got to have planned serendipity. You've got to have organic ways that people are constantly connecting. But if you bring them in and they could have sat at home and done it, I think we're failing as event professionals. And mm-hmm. so I think that's the biggest thing on surveys that it's like we've got to protect against because mm-hmm. that's the thing that people feel. I could have sat here and then had dinner with my kids every night and I didn't have to come in for that. So why are yeah. they coming in? That's great. That is astute and definitely relevant. I love that. Yeah. Excellent answers. So thank you very much for spending time with us, sharing lots of wisdom, ideas. Some of the ideas you had really have gotten me thinking. So we appreciate that. Congratulations on your business and how you're going. And just let us know, both in the audience in the chat and Mandy and myself, how we can help you continue to grow. We're excited to see your journey. And just thanks for being a beacon of light in our industry. Thanks, Imani. Thanks, Mandy. Uh, and how can people stay in touch with you? I know we've got your LinkedIn scrolling, but how yeah. else can we find you? Um, LinkedIn. I'm also on Instagram, um, which I'm working on. So you'll see even more content on in the next okay. few months. Um, but yeah, LinkedIn is probably the best way. And then, um, yeah, you can find me through there and I'm happy to connect. Awesome. Thanks for making time. We love talking yeah. with you. We can't wait to see what's next for you. We're going to put you back in the room. Stay there. So round of applause there for Katie. Excellent job there. Thank you for tuning in to Adventures in Business. Don't forget to rate and review our podcast on the platform that you're currently listening it on. And don't forget to share it with your friends and anybody that might be as much of the business nerds as Amani and I are. See you next time for another captivating interview.